today, what I would love um, to speak about is um, the way that we talk and um, the words that we use and the power that they have. And I know we probably don't spend loads of time thinking about the impact that our words have in every different situation, but one of the places that I think um, we get to appreciate and see this a little bit more is in the cinema. Um, I don't know if you love to go to cinema. For me, it's one of my favorite things to do. I absolutely love it. And often, what makes a good film a great film is like a particular um, speech or dialogue where actually sometimes we can be inspired or, or even moved to tears, um, even though we probably wouldn't admit the second one to, to anyone else. But I thought we could quickly remind ourselves of some of the more famous um, speeches in a few films. So why don't you enjoy this for a minute? Come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you. But I can carry you. Come on! We may be a small country, but we're a great one too. The country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Sean Connery, Harry Potter. <laughs> David Beckham's right foot. David Beckham's left foot company. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions. Loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Why would Andy want me? Why would Andy want you? Look at you! You're a Buzz Lightyear! Any other toy would give up his moving parts just to be you. You've got wings! You glow in the dark! You talk! Your helmet does that... that... that whoosh thing. You are a cool toy. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. For one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Amazing. Um, after that Braveheart one, you kind of want to ride into battle yourself a little bit, don't you? Who here would say they've seen all of those films? Anyone say they've seen them? A few people, a few people have seen them, but... Um, when you watch a film like maybe one of those, or particularly one of those moments that we just saw, like the words can be quite powerful, can't they? I guess all of those moments there were where the words of one person had a real impact on the people around them. Like one person's word literally changed the action and behavior of other people. And so I guess the question for me and you is, like, is that just in Hollywood? Is it only when 
and Mel Gibson and Russell Crowe are surrounded by this really emotional soundtrack that, that words actually have a big impact on people. And um, for me, what comes to mind is uh, when me and my wife went on our first date, um, it went really well, like we chatted loads, it seemed to be a really good evening, um, and then we headed off, and, and as we went to say goodbye at the end, I was like, oh, I, I don't really know what to say in this situation, like, I don't want to come across too keen or weird or anything like that, um, and so I tried to be quite cool and relaxed, and I just said, I guess, guess I'll see you at church on Sunday, which, um, which I thought was completely logical, like that was the next time we were going to see each other, um, and and anyway, I kind of walked away from it thinking, that was a good evening, good work, Ollie. You smashed it, sorted. Um, but little did I know that after my little farewell comment, Rhea went straight inside, rang her best friend, and explained to her that even though the evening seemed to have gone really well, um, my last few words had convinced her that I never wanted to go on a date with her again. And that, and that was the end of that. Although, obviously, it wasn't. I, I learned my lesson, um, hopefully, and, um, and it all turned out pretty well in the end. But... I remember another time a few years ago um, where I worked with a really, really good friend of mine, and we got on great, but I found myself getting a little bit hurt by um, sometimes the way that he talked about me, and he was always just having a bit of fun, and often in our friendship, we, we like to make a bit of fun of each other, so that was, that was kind of how it worked, but particularly in group settings, I kind of felt like the jokes were always at my expense, or um, I was always getting undermined a little bit, and so... Without him even realizing, I started to get quite hurt and frustrated by this, and it affected the, affected the way I was at work, and it affected my friendship with him. And eventually, I chatted to him about it, and he was absolutely mortified, because he had no idea that his words were having that effect on me. And he was really gutted about it, because the last thing he would have wanted to do is, is to make me feel like that. And maybe I was just being super sensitive, there's, there's probably a good chance of that, but either way, his words had a real impact on me, even though he didn't know that they would. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that at all, but I don't think it's just in my life that these things happen. I think probably a lot of you might resonate with some of those things, but there's a good amount of evidence um, that our words impact the people around us. So the, the Harvard Medical School um, published a study in the American Journal of Psychiatry a few years ago, and they um, were looking at the effect of negative words and verbal abuse um, in children. And they... Oh, excuse me, turns out my pages are in the completely wrong order. I've been sabotaged. Okay, we're there. Okay, so they were looking at the, um, the impact of, of negative words on children and, and, it, and the effect that this actually had on the development of their brains. And the results showed that for those who had experienced um, verbal abuse, particularly from their friends, when they were about 11 to 14, that's what they were trying to figure out, um, they noticed that the development of connections between the left and the right side of their brain um, had been affected by that, and then further tests showed that the same group of people had higher levels of anxiety, depression, anger, hostility, and drug abuse than others in the study. And so the Harvard Medical School, they suggested that the words um, that we receive at a young age have a huge impact on our lives as adults. It's not just something for then, it's something that could have repercussions for years and years and years. And so, it would seem that our words are quite powerful, aren't they? Like, it's, it's not just things that we say. Like, I'm sure we can all think of times where either someone has really encouraged us and spurred us on um, in a really positive way, or a time where someone's really hurt us, whether they meant to or not. 
Maybe you're at a meeting at work, at work sorry, and your boss gives you 20 com compliments, but then one negative thing. And what's the thing you're probably going to walk out the, the meeting remembering? The, the negative thing. Um, or maybe in a moment of frustration, you say something to someone that you know you shouldn't have said, but you can't take it back, can you? You can't put those words back in. And sometimes it takes years and years um, to heal from that kind of thing. Or maybe the encouragement and a support, support of a friend it, like, enables you to do something that you wouldn't have thought possible if it hadn't been for them spurring you on constantly. And I'm not sure why, but I think as a culture, we sometimes have a tendency to like, downplay the importance of our words a little bit. I think it's maybe because it gets us, us off the hook a little bit. But um, we have phrases like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, does anyone actually believe that? Like, has anyone never been hurt by the words of someone else? Or something along the lines of, I've, I've heard people say this before, what you do is more important than what you say. And you know, there, there is a level of truth in that, like our actions are really important, they matter, but like, so do our words. Like, think about first impressions, one of the main ways that we leave a first impression is through our words, or um, the impact and influence that we have on people around us, a huge part of that is going to be how we speak to them. And um, an author and speaker called Dr. Tim Elmore, who writes a lot of books on leadership and influence, and particularly um, in younger gener generations, but he, he writes this. Sociologists tell us that even the most introverted individual will influence 10,000 people during his or her lifetime. I don't know how many people you would have thought if someone said, how many think people do you think you might influence in your lifetime? I might have been like, I don't know, a few hundred, maybe a bit more than that, I don't know. But he, he says um, 10,000 people. And now even if, like me, you're pretty skeptical of that number, why don't we divide it by four, quarter it, and say that each of us have the potential to influence 2,500 people in our lifetime? Well, that's a lot of people, isn't it? Like, we all have a circle of people around us, friends, family, neighbors, people at work, and one of the biggest things that will affect the way that we influence them is our words. But I think, I think that's quite clear. And so it's no surprise, really, is it, that the Bible has quite a lot to say about how we speak. Um, all throughout the Bible, there are passages that look at this because it's an important part of being a follower of Jesus. And I imagine probably so far, there aren't many people in the room who disagree with a lot of, of what I said. Like it's, most of us would probably say, yeah, my words... My words do matter. I think I'm on board with that. But I guess what I'm asking this morning is how often do we stop and reflect on the impact that our words might have on people and then maybe make some changes and implement them into our lives? Like a question for you guys this morning, what kind of impact do you think your words do have on the people around you? Like how do your words affect other people? Because it would seem that they do in some way. So the question is, in what way? And so the passage we're going to have a little look at today um, is from Ephesians. It's a letter that Paul um, wrote to followers of Jesus to support and encourage them. And he spends the first few chapters reminding them of all that Jesus has done for them and how incredible it is. And then when he gets a little bit further in the book, at chapter 4, where we are, he, he kind of tells them a bit practically what this should actually look like and how it should affect the way that they live their lives. So um, we're in Ephesians 4. Um, verse 29, so it will come up on the screen if, if you don't have a Bible or anything with you. Um, so Ephesians 4, 29, Paul says this. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So Paul is essentially touching on what we just mentioned, isn't he? He's, he's talking about our words and the impact that they have on, on people around us. And in, in the verse that we've just looked at and in loads of the other verses around this, Paul is comparing two different kinds of living. He's comparing two choices that we have where we can choose to trade in one kind of living and replace it with something else. So all around this verse, I'm, I'm going to quickly fire through them. In verse 25, he basically says, don't lie, like trade that in and speak truthfully to the people around you instead. In verse 28, he says, don't steal anymore, but instead like, use your hands to do something that will benefit other people. In verse 31, he says, don't be bitter or angry, but be kind and compassionate. Just after that, he says, don't swear and bring things down, but be thankful and like, lift things up. And then straight after that, he says, don't live in an unwise, rash way, but make the most of every opportunity that you get. And then finally, he says, don't get drunk on wine, but be empowered and filled by God's Holy Spirit. And he goes through all these things in a really short amount of time. And he's encouraging followers of Jesus to hand in one way of living and replace it with something else. That's, that's what he's doing here. And so he's basically saying in every area of our lives, like me and you, we have a choice. And in the verse that we're looking at, he's saying, are you up for trading in any negative ways of speaking and replace them with actually building up the people around you and having a positive impact on them. So he says, don't tear down, but build people up. And to me, it seems like there's a real logic to what Paul is saying, because the letter to the Ephesians, unlike some of the other letters that Paul wrote, it's not this like, letter that he's writing to correct people about different things. He's not telling them off. It's got a far more like, general feel for followers of Jesus. And, and so he's saying to them, like, come on, guys, like, as followers of Jesus... Why use those things for something which has a negative impact when actually like, you could have a really positive impact? You could use them for good. That's the choice that he's saying in all these different areas. And so if we look at our verse, it starts at the beginning. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I'm going to shorten this bit to don't tear down. Okay, and I'll explain why. So, so the verse starts with a don't. And... Usually, as human beings, we're not always super receptive to don'ts, are we? Like, I'm sure if you're a parent, you might know that. Um, I've got a little two-year-old nephew called Reuben, and if one like, guaranteed way to get him to do something is to tell him not to do it. Like, that's, that's probably what will happen. Like, if you say, Reuben, don't touch that thing, he will, he will touch it. Like, he just doesn't like that word. And I think as, as adults, we, we often don't really like being told, like, don't do something. But... As I mentioned a minute ago, the don't for Paul here, it's not the end goal. That's not his point here. He's, he's not just reeling off a list of things that he wants these followers of Jesus to stop. He is calling them to a better way of living them and then actually telling them this is what it looks like if you're up for it. He's saying in order to stop doing one thing, we need to start, sorry, in order to start doing one thing, we need to stop doing something else. We need to trade that in and then start doing something new. So he's saying, if we want to have a positive impact on the people around us, if we want to build other people up, then we actually need to stop doing the opposite of that first. And that is what he describes here as unwholesome talk. That's the words that he uses. And I don't know about you, for me, when I hear those words, unwholesome talk, I immediately just assume he's talking about like swearing or dodgy jokes or something like that. For me, that's what my mind assumes. And that is something that Paul clearly talks about elsewhere, even just a few verses later. Like I mentioned, he, he does talk about swearing, and, and, and he says, you know what, as followers of Jesus, I want more for you than that. 
like the way that we live is meant to be countercultural, but actually, that isn't what he's talking about here with, with unwholesome talk. When you look into the word unwholesome um, that Paul used, it's more to do with poor health and well-being. Um, often it's just replaced with the word bad in other parts of um, the New Testament. And even if you look up synonyms to unwholesome on Google, um, it pops up with toxic, poisonous, and unhealthy. And actually, they are, are really um, give us a good idea of what Paul is, is getting at here. He's, he's not talking about the words themselves, but he's talking about the impacts that they have on people around us. So he's saying to us, don't be poisonous. Don't damage other people with your words. Because some words and some ways of speaking, they're toxic. And they have that effect on people. So he's saying, why choose that when you could choose something else? He's saying, don't spend your time gossiping. Don't talk about people behind their back. Don't undermine someone because you've got a bit of a grudge against them. Or don't try and make yourself feel a little bit better by bringing someone else down, hoping that it might pull yourself up. Because those things are poisonous. And the effects that you are having is you're tearing someone else down. And, and I think sometimes, um, and maybe I'm speaking about myself here, but I think sometimes this can be how we treat each other a little bit. Like maybe even subconsciously, it's not that we're out to get someone or we're being malicious, but maybe we feel a little bit intimidated by someone at work or threatened by someone in our, our group of friends. And so our response to that is we try and bring them down a little bit, maybe without even realizing it. Or we gossip about them because it might mean that someone thinks slightly less of them and slightly more of us. Like maybe we even mask it in a joke or in banter or um, in something like that. And so it seems like that's not what we're doing. But those words can be just as damaging than words that are said in a really nasty way. Like our words can damage others and tear them down. And I think this is the kind of thing that Paul is getting at here. This is what unwholesome talk is about. And just like elsewhere in the Bible, um, in James chapter 3, um, he's talking about the words that we use as well. And James says this, he says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. This is James 3, 9 and 10, by the way, sorry. And with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So when he says cursing, he's, he's talking about other people. He says we curse human beings. And so in a similar vein to Paul, James is telling these early followers of Jesus that tearing people down just isn't compatible with lifting God up, that it doesn't, they don't work hand in hand. And the analogy that James uses is he talks about um, fresh water and spring water can't come, sorry, fresh water and salt water can't come from the same spring, which is good. I'm sure that was really helpful for people in the first century. But I was trying to think, if James was around today, what, how might he explain, how might he explain this thing? So yesterday, I picked up some Fanta Fruit Twist, because um, everyone knows Fanta Fruit Twist is amazing. Um, tastes good. Give me a second. So we've got that. Hopefully it's not going to spill everywhere. And then I picked up a Starbucks caramel-flavored Frappuccino. I love these things. Um, I don't know what you think about them. So both of these drinks I love. And um, the, the point that James makes is he's saying we, we live a little bit like this. It's, we worship here on a Sunday. And then we swear at the ref at football on the Monday. And then we sing, oh, praise the name. 
And then we moan about our neighbors all week. Uh, or we sing, I'd do anything. And then we say, I do not want to be anywhere near that person at work. So this isn't very nice. Um, or or um, we sing, come feel us again. And we say, go away, I hate you. Oh, or, I mean, it hasn't actually changed the color of it that much, which is quite surprising, but essentially what we end up with is this. Oh, it's a fizzy coffee. Um, I think there's probably a reason why they don't sell Fanta Fruit Twist-flavored Frappuccinos, but the point that James is making is that all of our words matter. All of our words are worship, not just the ones that we sing. And so what I'm not saying is that banter or joking around or anything like that is wrong. Like, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying sometimes we use those things which can be really good in a way that actually just tears people down. That's, that's the end product. Or we get so caught up in our, um, the cultures of our group of friends or our, maybe our, our place of work that it just becomes second nature to belittle people without even thinking about it. We just kind of do it. Or we constantly feel like we've got to fight for the top spot in any group. Or we're just really negative in every situation that we find ourselves in. And Paul comes to us and says, come on, guys. Like, why use words like that when you could use them for so much good? God, that fantasy twist is, um, is really there. So, um, so for some of us here today as well, I guess... The, the like, tragic effect of this often is that you've been on the receiving end of so much of this. Like it hurts and, and even affects you now as we talk about it. Maybe it's when you were younger and um, people were just really horrible to you. Maybe your relationship with your parents, even today, is really strained because of the words that they use towards you. Or maybe there's just a particular situation that comes into mind where you were really hurt and it, it still really sticks with you. And so I guess... For this morning, what, what you can do today is bring those things to Jesus and allow him to speak his words over you instead of those words, because his are the ones that are true. Because otherwise, these things can stay with us for years. And I guess for a lot of us today, definitely myself included, we need to have a think about what it is that we need to stop or trade in so that we can start replacing it with something better. Like maybe for some of us, it, it might be swearing. Maybe... For others, it might be gossiping. We just can't help but do it when we're at work. Maybe for some of us, it might be that we really struggle to say anything positive about other people. And so without even realizing it, we just keep pulling them down. But for whatever it is for each one of us, I'd encourage you to have a think because if we can stop doing that and hand it over, we can replace it with something so much better. And so this is what Paul gets to next. So he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So I've shortened this bit to build, build up. Hopefully it's up there, yeah. So this is when we get to the alternative. This is what Paul is calling us towards. This is like the better way that he presents to us. It's building other people up. And we all know that feeling, don't we, when somebody notices you or um, someone goes out their way to encourage or compliment you, they're like, oh, Ollie, you've had a new haircut looking very good. And you're like, oh, thanks. Or maybe you get some new clothes. Or maybe just at work, you do something good and for a change, someone actually affirms you for it. I know for my wife, she's a doctor, and when one of her superiors actually affirms her, that's often quite disarming, and she comes home and be like, someone actually told me I did a good job today. 
Because the feeling of being built up is so much better than the feeling of tearing somebody else down. I, I can't imagine any of us would disagree with that. And I'm sure we can all think of people who have really given themselves to this way of living, to, to building other people up. Like, have a think now of the people that for you, you're like, oh, this person is so encouraging. Like, what kind of impact do they have on you? Like, do you, do you like spending time with them? Because they're amazing, aren't they? People who just relentlessly encourage and build other people up. And two of the people that come for, to mind for me are a couple in the church called Josh and Katie Kay. I'm sure a lot of you will know them. They've been around the church for quite a few years. And I've got to know them quite well this year because they've been on the discipleship year team with me. And when you spend time with Josh and Katie, there's no way that you can come away from a conversation with them not feeling encouraged, not feeling like they have gone out of their way to build you up. Time after time, they take every opportunity to celebrate the people around them and to tell them what they're good at. They never stay quiet about those kind of things. Even this Friday, me and Josh at DY, we were just picking a bit of rubbish off the floor for like 20 seconds, and he just turns to me and he says, Ollie, you have done such a good job with DY this year. And like, I wasn't feeling insecure about it. I wasn't like upset. We definitely weren't like reviewing the year and seeing how we'd got on. Josh had a little opportunity, and he just chose to, t to, to take it. And now Josh and Katie aren't perfect. I'm, I'm sure they would tell you that. And it's not that their words have any more power than yours and mine do. But they have chosen, they've made that decision to use their words for building other people up rather than tearing them down. And so every single person around them is better off because of it. I don't know about you, but I find that quite inspiring. Because even though I know I'm a long way from that place at the moment, I also know the impact that so many people have had on me, whether it's people here who have encouraged me and believed in me and given me opportunities, or whether it's um, my parents or my wife, Ria, or just friends around me that, when I'm down, just choose to keep coming alongside me. And I know I want to do the same thing. I, I, I long to be one of those people that constantly builds other people up. And so you can see what Paul is saying, can't you? He's saying, why use your words to tear people down when you could use them to build people up? He's saying that is what we're called to. And so because this is important, I think this is important, it's worth each of us here this morning reflecting on how generous we are with our words, reflecting on what kind of impact we actually have. Not just agreeing that this is important, but actually thinking about your life, reflecting on it, and then maybe making a change. Because so often with these kind of things, it comes down to being intentional. It comes down to us making a decision to to change something and to take every opportunity to build someone up rather than tear them down. Maybe there's even a particular individual that you're like, I need, I need to change the way that I speak to that person. Because I think probably for all of us in this room, there's, there's room for us to improve on this kind of thing. And so I was, I was thinking that we could all do a bit of a personal audit over the next week, not like a financial one. Um, but for each of us to spend the next week taking this kind of thing seriously and really thinking about the things that come out of our mouths. So maybe after a conversation at work or the, the end of a work day, just being like, today, did I build up or did I tear down? Or maybe with your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, at the end of a week being like, did I, spend, did I intentionally build them up this week or did I tear them down? Or... And maybe you just spend an evening with some friends and just at the end of it being like, was I tearing or, or was I building them up? 
And that might seem a little intense to like focus on it that much, but don't we all want to be the best that we can be at this? Don't we want to reach for more with this kind of thing rather than just settle for where we are and be like, well, this is just who I am, this is what I'm like. Because when we look at the last few words of the verse, Paul tells us why to do this, basically. He says the last little bit, that it may benefit those who listen. And, and that is what he's, he's getting at with, with this verse, that every conversation we have, every sentence that comes out of our mouths has the potential to benefit those who listen. Like, yes, absolutely, some conversations are going to be a lot more mundane than others. If you're chatting about like, the price of cucumbers at Lidl or something, like, that's, that's probably not going to be too groundbreaking. But, and I'll try and say this as slowly as I can, our words, mine and yours, have the potential to change lives. That's, that's what I think Paul is getting at here, and I think that's what the truth is. And we have the potential to change the lives of people around us. And that is actually what each of us who has chosen to follow Jesus, that's what we're called to do. To give our lives to putting the needs of others above our own needs. The Bible talks about that a lot. And Jesus did it for us, and now we essentially get to do it for everyone else. And that's why in another one of his letters um, to the Philippians, Paul, um, he again gets at this a little bit. So in Philippians 2, um, Philippians 2, I've completely lost where I am. There we go. Philippians 2, verse 3 onwards, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he, he goes on after that to explain what this mindset of Jesus was. That he literally gave up everything, even to the point of dying on a cross for me and for you. That was the mindset of Jesus. And so Paul now says, okay guys, it's your turn. Like, do what Jesus did for you and choose to put others first. Put, choose to put their needs above your own. He's our example. And actually, our lives aren't about us anymore. They're about serving Jesus and serving the people around us. And so a huge part of that means using our words to benefit those who listen. So just before we finish, let's, let's go back to the very beginning of this talk. Like I mentioned that um, we each have a level of influence on people around us, the 10,000 people that, um, that the author mentioned. And we are all influencing others in our day-to-day lives. I, I really believe that. And so Paul poses the question to us. He says, what kind of influence do you want that to be? What kind of influence do you want to have with your friends or in your workplace? Do you want your words to build up or do you want them to tear down? And so I decided to do a bit of maths for us today, um, which might be a little bit dangerous. I, I brought a calculator with me, which was surprisingly hard to find in this building this morning. Um, but, so let's take a conservative guess, and I imagine there's probably more than that in here this morning, but let's say there's 700 of us here this morning, okay? So there's 700 of us, and like I said earlier with the figure of 10,000, again, let's assume that that's far too much and go with 2,500 instead, okay? So there's 700 of us here, and each of us have the potential to influence 2,500 people. So 700 times 2,500 so that comes to 1,750,000 people. Um, but again, let's assume that there's a good chunk of overlap here because like, we know each other and so there's going to be a lot of overlap. So let's almost halve that and, and put it at 1 million. 
So hypothetically, because I'm assuming there's probably a good chance that my math is wrong or my theory is slightly incorrect somewhere, but hypothetically, if each of us here this morning, if we combine our efforts, not even including the evening service later on, we have the potential to influence a million people in our lifetime. I don't know about you, that's a lot more than I, I would have thought. And so when Paul says that our words should benefit those who listen, it turns out there's actually quite a lot of people that are listening to our words. And so what do we want to do with that? What do you want to do with, with your words? Because if as a church we take this choice seriously, everyone in our lives will benefit from it, without a doubt. Our friendships and relationships will be healthier, our marriages will be stronger and our families will be stronger. The impact that we could have on the people around us will be so much bigger. And now obviously this doesn't just happen overnight. It's not just one compliment that you paid someone and then it's done. It's months and months of taking an interest in someone at work and continuing to support them. It's every single day making the decision, I'm not going to gossip about that person today. It's choosing to celebrate and support people even when you know that they wouldn't do the same for you. This is what Paul is getting at to actively decide to trade in tearing other people down and replace it with building other people up. Because the reality is God has chosen the church, which is us, to represent him in this world. And so if we want to see our lives and the lives of our friends and families change, then this is one of the ways that we can begin to do that, a huge part of it. 